Good morning. I'm going to continue the second part of uh, the series that I began last Sunday on the fear of the Lord. Uh, this is a three-part series. Last Sunday, I did more of an introduction on the fear of the Lord, sharing with you four simple characteristics on the fear of the Lord. Today, as we do the second part, I'm going to share with you what are the precious blessings of learning, growing, and walking in the fear of the Lord. I want to begin by reading from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10 and verse 12. I'm going to request you to open your Bibles and uh, read it along with me. Deuteronomy 10, 12. Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. I would encourage you to actually put your name in the place of Israel. And so it would read something like this. And now, Shannon, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. As you put your name in this, in this verse, in this precious command, and you keep reminding yourself to it as you declare it out and you remind yourself of it, I believe that it will have a powerful impact on your life. The Holy Spirit will take these words and carve it upon our hearts so that we may truly have the blessing of being a people who walk, live in the fear of the Lord. Beloved, the fear of the Lord ought to be the foundation of our lives, our families, and our church. And just as a reminder, what is the fear of the Lord? It is a deep respect an overwhelming feeling of reverence, admiration, and a sense of awe produced in us by the revelation of who God is, what he has done, and what he can and will do. As I mentioned last week, I shared four simple characteristics on the fear of the Lord. I just want to do a quick re recap for our benefit. The first characteristic that I shared was God alone has the power to inspire this fear and reverence for him in us. It is the work of God. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, it is a fear that comes out of our relationship and love and admiration for the Lord. You see, God didn't command the Egyptians to fear him. His dread came upon the Egyptians later, but it was to his people that he commanded them, saying, fear me and walk in my ways. Thirdly, the fear of the Lord is opposite to the fear of man or circumstances. As Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man lays a snare. It's a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And so the fear of the Lord is opposite to the fear of man or circumstances. The fear of man and circumstances paralyzes us. It brings us down. It pulls us down. 
It makes us ineffective to do anything that is right. But on the other hand, the fear of the Lord empowers us. It gives us confidence being a people of God. It gives us the confidence that God is with us and for us. And he will help us to do what is right and pleasing in his sight. And fourthly, the fear of the Lord in us brings life for us, for, our, for, for the people with us, our families, our loved ones, for the community. But the fear of the Lord on others brings us dread in a way that it stops them from doing what is wrong. It curtails, contains, and brings down the plans of the evil one that is trying to work its way out through people who are aligned with the enemy. And so the dread of God falls on them. But for us, the fear of God brings life. This morning, I want to take it ahead. And I want to share with us as to why do we need the fear of the Lord. But before I do that, I want to remind you and encourage you that the fear of the Lord is a treasure. It's a gift from the Lord for his people. It's not for everyone. It's for his people. It's for his children. And that's where we understand the centrality of the gospel. To those who believed in his name, the name of his son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to them, he gave them the power to be called children of God. John 1.12. And it is to those children that God gives his fear. He gives them the privilege to be in awe of him. Think about it, beloved. To not be overcome and overwhelmed by anything that is not of God, but to live in the beautiful consciousness, to live in the, in the privilege of being in awe of God alone, our creator, our redeemer, our maker, our shepherd, our Lord. To be in awe of our God. That's the privilege of the children of God. And that is where we understand that this is only possible in and through the gospel. It's only possible because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. No one else, no one can receive this gift outside of the gospel. It is only possible when a man and woman hears the gospel that the fear of the Lord comes into his heart in his life for the first time. And that's the fear that produces by the Holy Spirit conviction of sin. You know, conviction of sin and uh, the fear of the judgment that is to come. And causes a man's heart to be converted. The heart of stone is taken away and God gives them a new heart. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit as a result of hearing the gospel. And so, today as we look at why do we need the fear of the Lord? You know, the scripture has recorded for our benefit and encouragement so many blessings. And this is not an exhaustive list, but it's quite a list. And as I send the notes today after the, uh, after the message and I, we send the video link, I want to request you to um, hear the message again, if possible, at least once during the week and go through the notes that I give because I will not be able to give you, read out every scripture right now. But I've recorded scriptures over here in the notes for our benefit because it is so encouraging to see, you know, the blessings that come for the people who choose to learn, grow, and walk in the fear of the Lord. The first, life, abundant life. You know, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Proverbs 14, 27.
Proverbs 14, 27 says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, the wellspring of life, that one may turn away from the snares of death. You know, as you're going to read verse by verse, one thing is going to become very clear to us. It is impossible to live and walk in and with the Lord without treasuring the fear of the Lord within us. The absence of the fear of the Lord will take a man away from God, will take a woman away from God, take them towards everything that is not of God. Unrighteousness, sin, wickedness, perversity, and eventually death. But God gives his children the fear of the Lord to be in awe of him, to have a deep reverence for him, to admire him, to adore him, so that we may have the blessing of enjoying the life that he died and rose again to gift us. So it says over here that as we walk in the fear of the Lord, it becomes to us a fountain of life that we would turn away from the traps that lead us to death. Proverbs 19.23 says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Why? Because he does not walk towards evil. It's the fear of the Lord that keeps his feet or keeps our feet away from evil. The second blessing I've recorded here, good knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Come to the woman and man who choose the fear of the Lord. Very famous, right? It says in, in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Proverbs 15.33 says, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honor. And so we all need wisdom, right? It's impossible to discern the will of the Lord. It's impossible to do what is right without having good knowledge and understanding and growing in understanding and having wisdom. You know, knowledge is to be, you know, to be taught by the Lord about what these things are, what is, what is there for us. Uh, in the light of God's word, we become aware of everything that God has created for us everything that God has given us. And as, as God gives us understanding of those things, we grow in insight. And then he gives us the wisdom to know how to apply the things that he has shown us, that he has given us insight about. Wisdom is about knowing when to apply, how to apply what he has shown us and what he has taught us. And so it is impossible to grow in these three precious things that we need for life and godliness, to have a God-glorifying life, good knowledge, understanding, wisdom, without having the fear of the Lord as our foundation. It is to them, the ones who choose the fear of the Lord, that the Lord gives good knowledge and understanding and wisdom. Thirdly, purity and holiness. Blessed are the pure in heart, said Jesus, for they shall see the Lord. The writer of Hebrews says that pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. The book of Hebrews chapter 12. And so brothers and sisters, it's so important for us that we grow in purity within and holiness. 
to be a people completely set apart unto God, to be wholly devoted, committed to him. And how can that happen? How can we be set apart as a people of God? By the foundation of the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is hatred for evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Proverbs 16.6 says, by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And we see that fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. You know, do you struggle with sin repeatedly? Is there a pattern of sin that you want to break? One of the prayers that I've prayed repeatedly over the years, I've said, Lord, give me a holy hatred for sin. It's another way of actually praying for the fear of the Lord. Lord, let me grow in the fear of you. Let me grow in awe of you. So, let me be so overwhelmed and so in awe of you that I abhor what you abhor. I hate what you hate. And that causes us to turn away from evil and to fix our gaze on Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. To have the fear of the Lord is to be captivated by who Jesus is and what he's done for us and all that he's doing right now for us and all that he's going to do. He's coming back again. You know, John writes in his, in his epistle, he says that those of us who are captivated by the hope of Jesus coming back again and that one day we shall see him face to face, that hope purifies us. And so, beloved, you know, it's the fear of the Lord that causes us to grow in purity and in holiness, to be people set apart unto God abhorring that which is evil and clinging to that which is good. Contentment and prosperity. Yes, the two can go together. It says over here, I want to give you a verse for contentment. Proverbs 15, 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Beloved, we find our contentment in God and because of God. To be satisfied in Jesus and to be satisfied with Jesus. He is our all in all. There are times in life when the righteous will not have everything that you desire, even what we would think that we need. But in that we find our rest and our contentment, our satisfaction in God. Because we treasure the Lord and we treasure being in awe of him, not being overwhelmed and dissatisfied or discouraged by what we have or don't have. Contentment with godliness is great gain, wrote the Apostle Paul. But at the same time, God gives a promise. In Psalm 34 verse 9, O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. And we understand that, beloved, that we will never be a people abandoned by God because we are his people, redeemed by his blood, sealed by his spirit. And so what we are going through does not define us ever. Who we are because of who God is and what he's done for us will always define us. 
The gospel gives us our identity, our value, our worth, and reveals our destiny. It reveals our origin. It reveals who we are. And therefore, we need to be rooted always in the gospel. Always, beloved, never try to find the foundations, the primary foundations of your life, who I am. Where am I going? Never find who am I? What is my worth? These are foundations of life. These questions never ought to be answered by external things like what we have and don't have. But these are always answered in the gospel. Find your identity, worth, origin, destiny in the gospel and gospel alone. And so, beloved, you know, they, they may, you may be in a season right now where you have little than what you think you should have. Maybe a difficult trying time for you and your family. But if you've chosen to treasure the fear of the Lord, blessed are you. That you're saying, Lord, I want to find my satisfaction, my rest, my contentment in you alone. But at the same time, God also gives us a promise that God will come through for you. That those who fear him have no lack. God will open up his provision to you. God will open up the door at the right time. We trust him. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Though my strength and my heart fail, God is the strength of my heart. So we, we saw how the fear of the Lord gives his people abundant life. Life. A godly life, a God-word life, a God-glorifying life. It gives us, number two, good knowledge and understanding and wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's to those who fear him that God instructs and teaches his way. And causes them to grow in good understanding. Gives them insight. and Gives them wisdom to live a life that is pleasing in his sight. Thirdly, we saw how those who treasure the fear of the Lord abhor that which is evil and cling to what is good. We therefore become a people growing in purity and holiness, being set apart unto God more and more. And we just saw right now about contentment and prosperity. How those who fear the Lord are content with little in those trying times in our life. But even there's a promise that those who fear the Lord will have no lack. I move on to the next blessing of justice. Oh, we look at the, our nation all around us. We look at the world and there's so much of injustice, so much of wickedness rampant. But beloved, a day is coming when God will judge the living and the dead. Justice will be meted out. But for us who are the people of God, we ought to be praying for justice in our, in our nation, justice among the communities around us. Justice all around the world, justice in specific situations. And uh, the prayers of the righteous avail much, beloved. Don't be hopeless. It is impossible, I believe, for people who are truly rooted in the gospel to be a hopeless people. We can never resign to circumstances. We are in him who has overcome the world. And so pray, beloved, pray for your land, pray for the nation, pray for people in authority. And I'm just going to mention to you a record of scripture in 2 Chronicles 19, 4-9. It says, when Jehoshaphat was king, he drew the people and led the people back to God. And as he did that, one of the things he did was he chose, chose judges across the land. And he, and he chose 
um, them and gave them a command. And he actually said, this is recorded in 2 Chronicles 19, verses 4 to verse 9. I'll just read it for you in summary. It says, he said, consider what you do for you judge not for man, but for the Lord. He's with you in giving judgment. Now then let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be careful what you do, for there is no injustice with the Lord our God or partiality or taking bribes. Now I'll skip the verses and he, he said in verse 9, thus you shall do in the fear of the Lord in faithfulness and with your whole heart. You know, there's such a big question today on our courts at every level. There's such a big question on judiciary, the police, on people in different spheres of society who have been given responsibility. Romans chapter 13 says that, you know, all authority has been placed there by God and we trust that, we believe that. But we also have a responsibility to pray for them. Paul was very clear. And in, in, in his letter to Timothy, he said, command men everywhere to lift up holy hands and pray for people in authority. Why do we have to pray for people in authority? Do we have a responsibility towards our nation? Do we have a responsibility for the world around us? Do we have a responsibility for Mumbai as a city? And so Paul commands Timothy, teach us, command the people of God everywhere to lift up hands and to pray for those in authority. Pray for kings and those in authority. Why? So that they, in God's amazing way, will, will receive the fear of the Lord, the dread of the Lord, as I mentioned the last time, and they would give out justice. The people who are suffering, people who are being oppressed, people who are being afflicted, people who are being wronged, would find justice. Yes, perfect justice is only when one day we will stand before the throne of God. Every person, every man, woman, young child from every tribe and nation that's when perfect justice will be given out. But till then, we are commanded to pray and to believe God for his justice and righteousness in the land around us. I'm not suggesting that there is going to be justice or there is righteousness outside of the gospel. No, but as a redeemed people, we have a responsibility towards our land, towards our nation, towards our city to pray. And so we see that justice comes because of the fear of the Lord. People in authority should receive the dread of God. We ought to pray for that, beloved, that in some mysterious way, some amazing way, the hearts will be drawn to God and that even people in authority, people in every part of society would get the opportunity to hear the gospel, repent, and turn to the living God. Oh, this is precious. The next blessing, friendship and intimacy. Psalm 25 verse 14, it says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. You know, many are God's people. You know, many are God's children. And, you know, one of the things that I, that I ask and I tell people, you know, we, we trust the Lord because he's trustworthy, right? He's good. He's faithful. He's upright. He's a good God. He's an awesome God. And we trust him, therefore. But can God trust me? Can God trust me? Can God trust Shannon? Can God trust you? And can he, in trusting you and me, come close to us in intimacy and reveal the secrets of his heart? You know, it's a very real thing, beloved. Friendship with the Lord, the relationship with the Lord is a very real thing. And so, you know, when I read about Moses, I get so encouraged it draws my heart when it says 
you know, the Lord came down and spoke to Moses and as a man would speak to his friend face to face. Moses would walk into the tent of meeting and the cloud of God's glory would come down on the tent and cover the tent and hide him. And every man would come out of his tent and the families would come outside the tent and see Moses walk and go to the tent of his meeting with the Lord, pitched a little outside of the camp. And they would see it that as Moses went to the tent and the curtain fell behind him, then the glory of God would come down and the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. That's in the old covenant. How much more today in the new covenant? God desires that his children have an intimate, a genuine intimate relationship with him. And today, as his redeemed people, today, because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, the writer of Hebrews says, you can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can come boldly because of the shed blood of Jesus. Beloved, today, the command is still there. Stronger than ever before, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them, not everyone, his covenant. And beloved, I pray that we would grow, I would grow in the friendship of the Lord. The next blessing, strong confidence and protection of the Lord. Proverbs 14, 26 says, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. The ultimate security for you and our family is not the insurance that you and I have taken. Those things are for our earthly responsibilities. The eternal and ultimate security for our families, for ourselves and our family, is the Lord himself. And who receives that confidence? Who receives that absolute certainty that no matter what trial we go through, no matter what test we go through, we put to the ultimate test. It says, in the fear of the Lord has strong confidence. The confidence that Daniel had in the lion's den the confidence that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had standing before King Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful emperor of his day. And they said, we have no reason. We find no reason to answer you this question, Nebuchadnezzar. But know this, that our God is well able to save us. And even if he chooses not to, we will not bow before that image. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Because we don't fear the one, we ought not to fear the one who can destroy just body, but to fear the Lord who can destroy both body and soul in hell. My brothers and sisters, may the Lord deliver you and me from any and every other kind of fear and may we only treasure the fear of the Lord for in that is strong confidence and our children will have a refuge Tomorrow, whatever happens, life is not in our hands, beloved. Our lives are in the hands of the Lord. You know, we can't predict what's going to happen today. We can't predict what's going to happen tomorrow. But know this, that our eternal security, our eternal destiny, because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, is secured in the Lord. I have a hope, and you have a hope that will never disappoint us. Because God has demonstrated his love towards us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And there are many other verses that, that give us this hope. I want to encourage you to please go through the notes. Hear the message again. And let the Lord just you know, cause his flame become, to become a fire. 
burning in our hearts of the fear of the Lord. And the favor of the Lord. Psalm 103 verse 17, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. And the fear of the Lord, the next blessing will cause us to live for the glory of God alone. Psalm 22 verse 23 says, you who fear the Lord, praise him. All your offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. Those who fear the Lord live only for the glory of God. Whether we eat, whether we drink, we have conversations. Whatever we do in public and secret, when no one is watching, when no one apparently can see, we carry the flame and the fire of the fear of the Lord in our hearts. And that makes us desire to live a life that is pleasing unto the Lord. So, beloved, this was, you know, some of the many precious blessings that the Lord has um, given to those or gives to those who fear him. And as I come to the, you know, the end of this message, and I'm excited about what I'm going to share with you the next Sunday, the third part of the Fear of the Lord series. You know, I want to read from Acts 9.31 right now, and it speaks about the churches in Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and says this in Acts 9.31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. May this be true for Utsal. May this be true for the church in Mumbai and in our nation and the church around the world. What does it say? Let's read it again. It says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. You know, the peace that comes from having confidence in the Lord, finding that contentment, security, rest, trust in the Lord alone. And we're being built up in God and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It multiplied. Amen and amen. I say amen to that for us. As a community, I say amen for the church in Mumbai, the believers and the disciples in Mumbai and in our nation. And so, beloved, as I come to the close, I want to, I want to ask you, do you want to be a man and a woman who fears the Lord? Do you want to receive this gift of the fear of the Lord and learn it and grow in it and walk in it? And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Come to the Lord through the finished work of Jesus. There's no other way, beloved. Come through the shed blood of the Son and receive this fear. Repent of any wrong understanding or attitude of the fear of the Lord. You know, maybe some of you have thought, you know, I, I, I don't want to fear God. I, uh, I just want to love him. And, and that, that would indicate a wrong or a shallow understanding of the fear of the Lord. That's not the fear of the Lord. You're, you're referring to the negative fear that God doesn't want us to have. You're referring to the fear that you've experienced from men and from circumstance, and you're connecting that kind of fear to the Lord. No, the fear of the Lord liberates us. You, know, you see the blessings that we just read, and that come from treasuring the fear of the Lord. So repent of a wrong understanding or a wrong attitude about or towards the fear of the Lord. So come to the Lord through the finished work of Jesus. Come before the Lord. Come before the Father. Repent. Forsake. Turn away from a wrong understanding. Say, God, correct this. 
shift my heart and mind. And thirdly, ask of him to teach you the fear of the Lord, that you and I would learn, grow, and walk in it. Amen. Do this um, right now. And uh, something, something uh, different, you know, as I close this, uh, almost 14 years back, you know, 13 and a half years back, uh, in, a, in a beautiful moment of prayer and worship and reading and meditating on God's word, uh, I think I was reading on the, on the fear of the Lord and meditating on the fear of the Lord. And I wrote a song, um, just about seven, eight lines. I, I, I wrote the song and I began, I took my guitar, I began to worship the Lord with it. And I, I felt a moment, and a moment of deep intimacy and closeness with the Lord. And so I, I had this little small uh, MP3 player. I just pressed record and I just recorded it 14 years back, 2007 to be precise. Um, and I recorded that moment with my guitar and I didn't know what I ever do with it. You know, I, 13, 14 years has just been lying in my hard drive uh, of the laptop. But this week, as I was getting ready, you know, to share on this, I felt I wanted to share the song with you. I, and, and moreover, I didn't want to re-record it. Uh, I wanted to share the song in the sense of its lyrics. It's, uh, and the moment, that moment, you know, thank God for technology, that moment that captured my time with God that time, 14 years back, I felt to share that moment with you. You know, after this message, you're going to hear that song. It's a very raw footage. Bear with me because I didn't record it in a, in a studio. It was in my house that I just placed the record, took my guitar and worshiped the Lord as I got those little words. The second words, you'll find a little jumbling of the words. Bear with me. I put the words for your clarity, the lyrics. It will play now. May God bless you as you listen to the song, as you pray, and as you ask the Lord to teach you the fear of the Lord. Maybe grow in the fear of the Lord and walk in his ways and live for his pleasure and glory alone. God bless you. Hear the message again. Read through the notes. Hear the song, be blessed. God bless you and your family. Amen.